Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 8 and verse 12. Just one verse I want to read. And it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And I just pray that this word is going to become a revelation in our hearts. Father, we don't just need more information. What we need is an understanding, a revelation of your word, a revelation of truth. Because when there's revelation, there's transformation. Let that take place here today. Father, forgive me of my sins. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. I thank you the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Let our ears be open, receptive, not to hear my words, but to hear the voice of the Spirit, I pray. And I thank you that you will speak today. I thank you that lives will be changed because of what happens here today, Lord God. And we will give you all the glory and honour that is due to your name. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series this Christmas entitled, uh, Jesus, the Light of the World. Last week, we said that one of the things that feature prominently at Christmas is lights. Um, I love the lights of Christmas. Many people love the lights of Christmas. Uh, better than the darkness of October, but uh, the lights of Christmas are outstanding. Um, uh, and the thing that I love the most about Christmas is untangling the lights. You know, that's the best part of all, uh, especially when you plug them in and they don't work. That's even better still, you know. Um, I, it's, it, it's, it's all great fun. I actually put I have some hedges at the back and uh, I usually put some Christmas lights up through there, some fairy lights through there. And inevitably the hedge needs to be cut and I think, oh, I've got to take down those lights and then cut the hedge. And I think, no, you know what? I can get away with this. I can do it. I, I, I can cut the hedge with the Christmas lights in there. Uh, how many people think that's not real smart? Come on, how many people say that? Hey, settle, settle, settle. <laughs> Inevitably, I end up cutting those lights back to the shop, buy some new ones. Um, I don't think it's an accident that lights feature prominently at Christmas because Jesus is described as the light of the world. And I think it's one of the reasons why uh, lights feature prominently at Christmas. I love the way Isaiah puts it. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has begun to dawn. In a time of darkness, a light began to dawn when Jesus came. Jesus came at a time when the people of Israel were living in darkness. There was political darkness, spiritual darkness, moral darkness. There was poverty and heartache and no hope for the future. Future. I know we think that the times we're living in right now are pretty bad and, and it just seems like there's chaos and darkness throughout the whole world. I want you to know that the time when Jesus came into the world, it was a, there, was, there was darkness of every kind happening at that very time. And it's into that kind of darkness, the light began to dawn when Jesus 
came when Jesus was conceived. And I don't know what you're going through today, but maybe you're in a darkness right now. Maybe your darkness is relational or financial or emotional, or it's related to your health in some way or another. Jesus wants to shine. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to shine His light in our in our darkness and he wants to shine his light in yours and mine. Jesus himself said, I've come into the world as a light. It's the metaphor of a light. Jesus has come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. That if you believe in me, if you put your faith in me, if you begin to follow me, follow the principles of my word, truth of my my word, you're not going to stay in darkness anymore, but you're going to experience the light of life. Said last week, Anthony Doer says this, um, the most important light is the light that we cannot see based on a book, a series about a, a, a blind young girl and, and, uh, and, and it talks about that, that the most important light, I just love that phrase, is the light we cannot see. We think that the most important light is the light that we see through our eyes and so on, but there's, there's an even greater light. It's an emotional light. There's a, there's a spiritual light that is even, even greater. Last week we looked at a key scripture in Psalm 43, and I hope it spoke to you like it spoke to me. And the psalmist said, in the midst of incredible darkness, Psalm 42, Psalm 43, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why, why disturb within me? Come on, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. And my God is talking to Himself because He's in a hopeless situation. He's in a dark place in His life. And in the midst of that psalm, He says, Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me into your presence into your holy hill. And I pray that even in, even in the, whatever darkness we might be experiencing, so many different things that we can do and, and try and resolve and work it out. But the greatest thing that we can do, like the psalmist, is pray, Lord, send your light. Because whatever it is you're going through, the answer is going to be found in the presence of God. Whatever it is that you're going through, however difficult it may seem, or uh, you don't know what to do. Do I go left or right? What's happening? What's going on? The answer is going to be found in the, in the presence of God because it's in the presence of God where God sends His light so He helps us to see things for what they, how they really are. He sends His truth, that truth that tells us, that enables us to know what we should do and that brings ultimate freedom. This morning I want to look at one of the I Am statements in John, in the Gospel of John, which we read in our text. Just, just one verse, there are seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I'm not part of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People say, you know, there are many ways. Well, Jesus never leaves that door open at all because Jesus is the only one who said, well, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Would have been so much, I mean, I don't know. Jesus maybe needed one of those consultants to help him, you know, win more people or something because that's very confronting, that particular. That doesn't leave any open for anything else, but it's the tr- because it's the truth. Because it's the truth. You know, some people are, uh, you know, how, how dare they say that, you know, with gravity, everything goes down. I mean, that's just so limited in its thinking. And I don't, I don't want to believe that, you know. 
some people believe, say that the, the earth is square. I don't want to believe that. I want to, oh, sorry, I, want to, I don't want to believe that the earth is round. I want to believe whatever. I, but truth is truth. And believe whatever you want. It doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the reality that if I throw this out there, it isn't going to fly, this bottle. It's going to hurt someone and we're going to be sued. So I won't be doing that. But, but the reality is, truth is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way. And it's not an arrogant thing that Jesus is saying. He's simply saying, this is the, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You want to find life. You want to find the way. You want to find it. Just follow me. I'll show you the way to experience life and life in abundance. Jesus said, I'm the vine. And as we read in our text, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's the gospel message. Question is, what does it mean when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world? What does it mean? It can mean many things. Light helps us to see where we're going. Light uh, speaks about hope and Light, as we saw last week, also speaks about truth. It's about truth. Um, send your light so, so that I can see the truth, so that I can understand the truth. When our heart's exposed to the light of God's truth, there's potential for transformation. We often use the light globe as a metaphor to describe understanding um, or insight or uh, revelation. You know, you know, you kind of see, they, they usually draw a picture of the person as a light globe, ding, you know, it's, it's uh, the light goes, oh, the light's gone on, you know, and suddenly I can see, I can understand. We see this occasionally in counselling. Um, someone walks in with, a, with an issue and, and they're kind of stuck and, and you, you know, you talk um, and uh, you offer potentially another perspective and suddenly they, they get clarity. It's like the light goes on. Suddenly they can see what they couldn't see before. It's one of those aha moments, you know, aha, oh yes, I can see that. It's the light goes on. And that's great when it has to do with some issue in life, when, when you know, we, we're facing some kind of issue and then we go, ah, oh, I get it, I got it, I know what to do now. But when the light goes on in our hearts regarding spiritual issues, it's when transformation actually happens. It's when transformation happens. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. The Apostle Paul, um, you know, he was a man who thought he was serving God. He was a religious terrorist. Is who he really was. Murdering Christians and throwing them into prison because he thought he was doing the will of God. But then one day on the road to Damascus, he has an aha moment where suddenly a light shines and his eyes are open and he can see. God for the very first time. And at that moment, his life was transformed, changed. The Apostle Paul was never the same again. His life was changed. And so many of us are here today because we've experienced the transforming power of the light of Jesus Christ, where, you know, our perspective, Perspective of the church, of religion, of all of, the, of God was, yeah, I don't know, it's not for me, it's for those weak ones, you know. It's, they just need a crutch, those people, that's what's wrong with them, uh, full of problems and issues. And we had all these preconceived ideas about who God was, the church. But then one day we, we, we kind of, we, we just heard someone speak about the God and suddenly it was like, it's like our eyes were opened. And suddenly... We, we, got to, we come to know Jesus not as some historical figure or religious figure, but we came to know him as a person that loved us, 
And our life was never the same again. If you've been around church, you'd be familiar with the statement, I am the light of the world. But most people don't know the context of that I am statement as it's presented in scripture. Statement follows one of the great stories of of grace in the Bible. Uh, It's a story of the woman caught in adultery. So what I want to do today is I want to look at this I am statement in light of this story. And I want to uh, unpack a couple of thoughts that come from this story in, 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 in relation to Jesus' I am statement. I pray the Holy Spirit is going to speak to all of us today. Um, the first thing Jesus' light does is it reveals the true condition of our heart. The, 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 the first thing Jesus' light does is it reveals what's really in our hearts. story of the woman caught in adultery, it's one of the powerful stories in the Bible. It's one of the stories in the Bible that reveals, you know, who Jesus was, what God is really like. The story of the woman caught in adultery begins in John 8. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach. Teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. So Jesus is teaching. I want you to just picture the scene here. Jesus is teaching a group of people there when all of a sudden the Pharisees, uh, they bring in a woman who's been caught in adultery. And interestingly, they didn't bring in the man. You know, don't worry about the man, uh, but, but just the woman. Um, uh, by the way, the man was just as guilty as she was, just for the record, according to Old Testament law. But they bring in the woman and they present her before Jesus uh, and, um, uh, because she was caught in adultery. She was guilty. There was no question about it. Uh, there was no question about her guilt. Uh, uh, she, was, she, was, she was caught. Pharisees bring her before Jesus and they ask him a question um, and they try to trap him. They said, in the law of Moses, um, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you think we should be doing? It's a tricky question here for Jesus and the Pharisees knew it. Uh, the law of Moses did say uh, that if a person was caught in adultery, they should be put to death. It was certainly in the law. And if Jesus agreed uh, to their demands, uh, then his whole teaching of love and grace uh, would be nullified. And, and, and so if Jesus said, no, uh, don't uh, uh, stone her, then he would be condoning the sin. He'd be saying, well, do whatever you want, live however you want, which again goes contrary to Jesus' teaching. So it's this tricky moment. Um, the Bible says they were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. Pharisees didn't care about the law of Moses. They didn't care about righteousness or holiness. They certainly didn't care about this woman. They didn't care about, you know, what she was going through, who she was. This was completely about discrediting who Jesus was, the message of Jesus. How would you answer in a situation? I hate those situations. <laughs> you know, I, I watch stuff on YouTube and, you know, they're asking, you know, uh, you know godly men and so on and, women and so on, they ask them tough questions. And before, before I hear the answer, I kind of, how would I ask? I've got no clue. I'm, I'm not good at those kind of things. And here's Jesus. It's this tricky moment. He's stuck. How's he going to answer this? So the Bible's coming. You know the story. It's powerful. I just love reading it again and telling the story again because it reminds us of who Jesus is. So Jesus is pretty smart. He's got a few degrees, doctorates. Um, so the Bible says, but when Jesus... Jesus bent down and started to write 
on the ground with his finger. Anybody seen those sand artists? You know, the first one, Jesus. Scholars have speculated for centuries as to what Jesus was writing in the sand. Most believe that he was actually writing the sins of those who were accusing this woman. And I strongly believe that. It's not in the text um, because uh, some of the later manuscripts actually say that. Um, also, there are two Greek words used for the word to write down. One is graphen and the other catagraphen. The word used here is the, is the word catagraphen, which means to write down a record against. It's to write down a record against. Uh, and it's quite possible that Jesus was writing the sins of the men who were accusing the woman. It would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? You know, Jesus bends down. He starts writing a few names in the text. Text goes on to say, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, well, if any of you is without sin, then let him throw the first stone at her. And Jesus was saying to them, well, you know, those of you that you're the accusers, it's all good. Well, then if you're without sin, then okay, throw the first stone, go ahead. Now the word without sin is not only means no actual sins, it also means no desire to sin. So they're, they're, it's, it's much deeper than just no sins. Whichever one of you has never sinned or has never had a desire to sin, well, go ahead, throw the first stone. How smart is that? Come on. It's so smart. Text goes on to say it. This, those who heard began to go away one at a time. I just love this. The older ones first, they're smart enough to know. Buddies, let's get out of here before this gets messy. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. First thing, this, te- this, this thing uh, Jesus' light of the, of the world does is it reveals the true condition of our heart. It reveals what's really inside of us. Jesus' light reveals the sin that's inside of our hearts. And that's painful. It hurts. And yet it's the prerequisite for experiencing the life that Jesus came to bring. Um, It's not nice when it happens. But it does, it's it's the prerequisite for experiencing the grace and the love and the mercy of God. I remember one time, I think I've told this story, I remember one time, I I can tell you exactly where I was when this happened. You know, I was fasting two or three days because that's what good spiritual people do. You you don't just fast one one meal. I'm fasting, what do you fast? Oh, coffee, okay, great. No, this was real genuine fasting, like three days straight, you know. And I remember praying, saying, God, you know, you can see how good I am, can't you, God? You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. Fasting like this. You know, there's a few things I need, God. Here's my list. And I remember exactly where I was. And where the Holy Spirit just... And for the first time, well, the first time, I'd seen it before, but I, I just saw pride inside of me. And I thought, wow, it's daunting. It's daunting. It's not, it's not pleasant, but it's real. And I said, God, forgive me, forgive me. 
and immediately went and ate something. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so let me go and get something to eat. See, if we're honest with ourselves, we're a bit more like the Pharisees than we like to admit. Because there's a Pharisee inside all of us. Woman caught in adultery, she knew her sin. It was pretty clear. There was no doubt, no ambiguity. She could see her sin very clearly, but the Pharisees couldn't. Reality is, many times we all walk around with stones in our hands. We judge people according to their past, their flaws. We look down on people. Too often we sit in our pompous chairs, blind to the true condition of our hearts. Sometimes we even throw stones, not literally. Oh, we don't throw stones. Pastor Joe would never do that. But we do throw stones with our words and with our actions. Jesus said to the Pharisees one time, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck of dust out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. How many of us would admit that we're pretty good at seeing the dust in other people's eyes we're not so good at seeing the plank in our own eyes. Can I hear just a little? Is there any friends in the congregation here today? Some of us need to go to Specsavers and get some new glasses. <laughs> I think we all need to admit, no one, none of us are perfect and without sin. So the degree of this inside all of us. So understanding that we have a propensity to be like the Pharisees, we need to pray, Lord, would you, would you shine your light in my heart so I can see what's really in my heart? When Jesus returns, that Paul says, uh, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and, and will expose the motives of men's hearts. One day when Jesus returns, we're going to see things for the way they really are. We can fool people, but we can't fool God. And my prayer is, Lord, I don't, I don't want that to be done in the end. I want you to do it now. I want you to expose stuff I can't see, the real motives. And what, what I'm speaking about here today kind of sounds a bit tough, sounds a bit hard. I know, I know, it's okay. Stay with me here. Don't, don't, leave, the con don't leave the service now because it's not going to be good. But what I'm speaking about here needs to become a lifestyle, an attitude of the heart. Um, and the only thing, the only reason why we might be scared about this, if, if there's stuff we don't, we, we're scared to, 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 to people to know God, to know whatever, or if we don't know who God is. But if you know who God is, when, when you get a revelation inside of you, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, so stay with me. Uh, when you get a revelation of the fact that we're not perfect, that there is sin in our lives, um, uh, Jeremiah thinks says the heart is evil above all else who can understand it when we make it our goal in life to become like Jesus talk like Jesus think like Jesus act like Jesus when 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 we look at when we look at the life of Jesus in our own life and we say and we kind of see the chasm between who Jesus is and who we are when you get a revelation 
that God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Those two revelations together, when you get those two revelations together, we start to pray like David, Lord, test me and try me, examine my heart and my mind. We pray like David, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's an offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. If ever we're going to experience life, we need to first get a revelation of what's happening in our own hearts. Jesus writes a letter to the church in Laodicea, and he says, uh, which is another great example here, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. This is a letter Jesus is writing to this church. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. What Jesus was saying to this church is, you think you're here, but we're actually here. Just come to me. Come to me. Let me show you a better way, a different way. We need Jesus to shine his light at salvation. But not only, but not only at salvation, but we also need him to shine his light continuously in our life, in our journey, in our walk with God, to become like Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. I tell you, tell you church, never, never ever be afraid of Jesus shining his light in your heart. Never. Never ever be afraid of God. Never be afraid of God. Um, always just be open before God and allow him to light, shine his light on our lives. Second thing Jesus' light does is it reveals the truth of his love and grace. It reveals the truth. Jesus' light shows what's really inside of our hearts. The second thing it shows is it reveals the truth of his love and grace. Story continues. Jesus tells the Pharisees, any of you is without sin, throw the first stone. One by one, they began to leave until Jesus is left with the woman. Bible says that Jesus straightened up and asked, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus looked at the woman and, and he speaks the most grace-filled, loving words ever. He says, I don't condemn you either. Of all the things she could have been expecting, the last thing she was expecting was to hear that. This woman was guilty. She knew it. This woman understood the law of Moses. And instead, what she received was mercy and grace. It's powerful. When Jesus' light shines in our hearts, it does two things. It reveals the truth about our hearts, but that's not where it stops. Jesus never came just to reveal the sin in our lives, just to reveal what's really inside of you and me. Jesus never came just to do that. When Jesus' light shines in our heart, it also reveals how much He loves us, how much He cares about us. That no matter what we've done, where we've been, who we are, that we can be forgiven and we can experience the grace and the love and the mercy of God. When the Apostle Paul was walking on the road to Damascus and the light shone around him, not only was the true condition of his heart revealed, what, he also, what also was revealed was that Jesus loved him. It's like the light went on in Paul's mind and heart and that led to transformation. When you get a, a, a revelation of the grace of God, you'll never be the same again. Some people have this preconceived idea about Christ and, 
And all he wants to do is condemn us. Have a listen to what the Bible says, because it's clear. It says, uh, for God so loved the world, Jesus' words, John 3, 16. We know the verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that if you would believe in him, you shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's the promise of Jesus Christ. He just says, if he loves you so much that if you would put your faith in him, you could experience this thing called life, not only life in eternity, but also now. And then it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's clear. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to bring salvation. If we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be forgiven. We can be set free. When you're in Christ Jesus, there, there is now no condemnation, says Paul in Corinthians. You're not what you did. You're not what people say. You are who God says you are. And God says you're a child of God. If there's anyone that does accuse us, it's the enemy. The Bible says that the enemy is uh, the accuser of the brethren and he accuses us before God day and night. He's the one that accuses us and brings us down. He's the one who will relentlessly come after you and me. He says, God could never love you. God could never use you. Nah, you've crossed the line. Nah, nah, you could never be used by God. That's the voice of the accuser. The voice of the Savior says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's the grace of God. How many people are grateful for the grace of God and the mercy of God? That God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. He's abounding in love, says the word of God. He doesn't treat us like our sins deserve. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the love of God. It's powerful. And the thought that God loves us isn't just for those who don't know Jesus. It's a revelation we all need to get and keep on getting. I think it's one of the, one of the great revelations uh, that we all need to have in our lives that, the, that, the, that, 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 that God loves us. I think, I believe there's two, two kind of revelations. The first is the revelation of the reality is there is sin in our lives. None of us are perfect. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The, the consequences of sin is eternal, eternal separation from, from God. People say, but, but I'm, I'm a good person. Um, I, I follow the commandments, you know. But you know, the, 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 the one commandment that's broken more than any other commandments is commandment number one that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the reality is, Often other things are bringing that first place. It's one of the revelations we need to get. But the second greatest revelation we need to get is we're loved by God. I'm loved by God. God loves me. I'm loved and accepted by God. Paul speaking to the Ephesian church says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I pray that you would understand how deep and high and great and wide is the love that God has for you. Jesus looks at this woman and he says, neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you, she, he says. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now some of us might think that you know, Jesus was showing tough love, you know, like he was, he was kind of, you know, forgiving her, showing grace, but kind of setting her straight at the same time. 
I'm not convinced that's what Jesus was doing at all. The reason why I know that is because the next verse says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what Jesus was saying to her was, you don't have to live like this. There's a better way. You don't, you don't have to live with this, this kind of lifestyle. Is, is, if there's, a, there's a better way. You don't have to live with this. You don't have to destroy your life, waste your life. This is a better way. And walk in that way. Third thing Jesus' light does is it brings hope for the future. Brings hope for the future. Here was this woman, as she was thrown before Jesus, I'm sure she thought she was going to die. I'm sure she thought this was the end. It was finished for her. And maybe she even thought, great, at least I'll die and I will not experience any more pain. And then she meets the light of the world. And her life, her life began to change. Light in the Bible is a metaphor for hope. And one of the reasons why Jesus came was to give hope. That in a, in, in a, in a space of darkness, in a space where there doesn't feel like there's a way, Jesus came to give hope. And I, just, I just love this story because it's, it, it, it goes against everything people think and about God and about Jesus. You know, people think, oh, he's a condemning God. So, you know, if, if, if the world was writing this story in the Bible, they would say, and then Jesus saw her and he started to berate her and he started to come against her and he started telling her, you got to stop what you're doing. That's how the world would have written that story about Jesus. That's how they would have written it in the Bible. Jesus doesn't do that at all. Oh, that's, that's, that's the grace of God. It's the love of God. That's the Jesus we serve. I often tell people, I think, man, if you could, if you could know the God that I'd serve, you'd love Him too. He's amazing. He's loving. He's gracious. Oh, He's beautiful. He's beautiful. When you sense His presence and His love, it's just, there's nothing else like it in the world. And there may be some of you here today, you've walked into church like this woman, you've feel like your life's a mess, doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. Feels like one struggle after another, one battle after another, you just wish it could all end. I want you to know that one of the reasons why Jesus came, He came as the light of the world. What does that light mean? The light means He came to give us hope. Hope. That where there is no hope, He, he came to shine His light so that we could start to believe that tomorrow can be different, that our lives can be better. And Jesus is saying to this woman, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. He's saying to her in the loving, most loving way that He, that he can, He's saying to her, listen, don't, you don't need to live like this anymore. Live this way. People see the Bible as a book of rules. Ah, don't do this and don't do that and don't do the other thing. And they just see it as a, as, a, as a book of rules. It's not a book of rules. It's a book of principles that says, if you want to experience life, then do life this way. Don't do it this way because if you do life this way, it's going to not end well for you. Do life this way. It's, it, it's going to lead to something. It's going to lead to the kind of life you've been dreaming of having. Jesus came to bring hope. Bible says, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Come on, let me say an amen to that. He's the God that turns our darkness into light. Psalm 112, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate, 
and righteous man. Isaiah 42, and I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. What a great promise for God. I'm gonna lead the blind by ways they have not seen. I'm gonna make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. Micah 7, 8, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord is gonna be my light. The Lord is going to be my light. The Lord is going to be my light. He's going to, he's going to see me through. He's going to see me through. Psalm 30 verse 5, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. What a great scripture. It's the God we serve. I pray that our eyes would be open, that we would see Jesus, the light of the world. Um, Jesus, I am saying, I am the light of the world. He doesn't want to just be the light of the world. He wants to be the light of you, your world, your life. And when He becomes the light of your world, things change. Life changes. What does His light reveal? His light reveals the true condition of our heart. Never be afraid of that. Don't be scared of that. Search me, God. Know my heart. Don't be afraid of that. But not only does He uh, reveal the true condition of our heart, He also reveals the truth about His love and grace. And He gives us hope in our darkness. So how, how can Jesus be the light of my world? Pastor Joe, what do, I, what do I need to do to allow Jesus to be the light of my world? It's really, really simple. It's you just need to pray a simple prayer that invites Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. That's it. It's a simple prayer. If you believe and confess, you will be saved. If you believe and confess, believe in Jesus, confess Him as your Lord and Saviour, you will be saved. Salvation begins by just a simple prayer that says something like, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross, paying the price for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you all the days of my life. When you pray a prayer like that, you experience what's called the miracle of salvation, inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. And you will never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. The Apostle Paul uh, saw the light, <laughs> Jesus' light, and he was never the same again. And he was used by God in a powerful way. God wants to use you. Will you stand with me? interesting about the Pharisees is Jesus writes in the sand he's without sin throw the first stone and Bible says one by one they walked away 
none, none of them came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, would you, would you help me? Would you help me to deal with some of this? There were some Pharisees that did. John chapter 3 talks about Nicodemus. Who was, and he came to Jesus. And we've got a choice. We can either walk away or come to Jesus. Greatest thing that you can do. Never be afraid of Jesus. He loves you, cares about you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to use you. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. Can't, pray, can't preach a message like this without giving someone an opportunity. Maybe you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. And you want to say, yep, today I want to do it. If there's no one, that's cool. I've done my job. But there might be someone who's saying, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or I've walked away. I want to, I want to come back. I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, just just, just put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. Thank you so much. Thank you. If that's you, just, just put your hand up. That's, that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask you to do nothing else. Nothing else. It's beautiful. Is there somebody else? Oh, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand right back down. It's beautiful. Is there someone else? It's the most important decision we'll ever make in life, to follow Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves you. If you think your life is good now, oh, your life will never be the same again. Is there one other? Is there somebody else? Just one more minute before we pray. Yeah, champion. Thank you. Right up the back. Thank you so much. Somebody else. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Right down the back. Thank you. Someone else. We're going to pray. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not going to ask you to do nothing else. Just one more moment and we're going to pray. I want the whole church, let's pray this prayer together. Maybe there's someone here, I wanted to put my hand up, but I didn't have the courage. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I repent before you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord Jesus a clap offering. <laughs> Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is so powerful. Lord, we don't want to be like those Pharisees who thought they were in a certain place, but they weren't there at all. I just want to walk with you. Father, we just give you permission to shine your light in our hearts because we want to serve you and be everything you've called us to be. I want to experience the life that you promised, the life and life in abundance. So be glorified amongst us today. As we leave this place, just reflect on the word. Father, I just pray that we would get a greater revelation of who you are, what you want to do in our lives, and of your love and grace. And help us to shine that light wherever we go. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week. Uh, there might be some of you who would like prayer. We're more than happy to pray with you here at the front. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.